Reading a couple of verses from Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to read verses 1 through 5 as a preparation for our time in the Word. Though we're taking our text Mark chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 40, we're going to read the first five verses and then I'm going to ask you to look at a verse from Malachi chapter 3. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 1. And the scripture says there, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem. And cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for your God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. And then if you turn over to Malachi... Chapter 3, we read these words. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. But who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then we're taking our text from Mark chapter 1. And the first three verses. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. This morning we're going to take the last phrase, particularly of verse 2, excuse me, of verse 3, rather, of Mark chapter 1. Make his paths straight straight. Before we go any further, though, let's just ask the Lord to meet with us and speak to us from his word. In our God, we would pray this time with the help before our God. 
before our God. God do that precious work that fans faith. He uh, rejoices. Work all of our hearts to lead us. Upholding and God. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' precious name and for his sake. Amen. Our text this morning begins with the words, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now that is a unique statement to begin the recounting of the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus. But I say it could not be a better pointer to the Lord. That statement is not a mere statement that the Lord Jesus was born among men. Here is not a statement that he came to minister. Here is not a statement that he was the creator of all things or that he would judge the world. All those things being true, that's not what the beginning statement of our text points to. Here, rather, is a statement that the Redeemer has come. The Lord has come to his temple. The Lord has come. Has come. Hosanna! Perhaps you can even hear in these words the echo, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. I would say these words suggest to us all that here is the coming of light. Here is the way, the truth, and the life. Here is the door by which if any man will enter in, he will be saved. Here is the gospel. The gospel is come among men. We hear then the message of one cry. As that there was the voice of one who was the shouter of God, if you will, in the desert place. And we might even say it this way. It was not just a wilderness of sticks and stones and dirt and sort of things of that sort, but rather it is a picture of the wilderness and the desert of the hearts of sinful men. It is a voice to the people sitting in darkness to whom comes a great light. That's the picture of the voice heard here. And we certainly understand that the voice spoken of is the voice of John the Baptist. He is the herald. He is the crier. He is the one whose heart is so exercised that he shouts in the wilderness. Indeed, that is the meaning of the word chosen of God here. He was the one that cried, literally shouted, which means he shouted with deep emotion. He's the one whose voice could not be silenced. He was the one whose voice was lifted up like a trumpet to show the people of God, their sins. But even more important than the sound of the Baptist's voice is what he cried. 
It wasn't just one shouting to get the attention of men. No, there was a very, very real and a very vital message in what he shouted. Make straight the paths of the Lord. Or it could be said, as was said elsewhere in the prophets, prepare the highway of Jehovah. The paths of the Lord, the highway of Jehovah. I want you to understand that in those words, there is no doubt but that these words declared the deity of the one who was coming. This one who was following the coming of John the Baptist was himself Jehovah, the one who would come on his path, as it were, to the hearts of men. It is Christ the Lord. And so I say, here is the gospel being pointed to. Here's the gospel being presented. This is the gospel message, in fact. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. That's a gospel call. It's a gospel message. Elements that are entailed in the salvation of sinners. Here's the way of God to the hearts of men and the way of men to God's eternal day. Here, I say, is the gospel. I want us to think on that this morning. I want you to see with me that in these words we have a summary of the gospel call. And may the Lord be pleased to bless us as we consider briefly these things this morning. I've got three things I want you to see with me about this. First, I'm going to point to you what I'm calling a summons. And then I'm going to point to a sermon, if you will. And finally, we'll conclude by noting the solemn warning. So I say in these words, we have a summons. I would point to you, the words of verse 2, where it starts saying, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face. And I say, We cannot make enough out of the Lord's call for us to hold. Those words, if you want to into the common everyday of our language today, would be like, Look here! Look here! But not just with curiosity to see a sight. That does not enter into the meaning here. When we are told to behold, it has nothing for us to, no part of it is for us just knowledge about something or our curiosity. The force of the statement is that you are to look with careful consideration. Behold, consider, dwell on this. Let this get into your mind and let your heart go over these words. The messenger of the Lord has a word for you. He points to the hope of the world. Hear him. Look to what he's saying. Here's a summons. And I say, it's a summons then. First, a summons to see. See. How many times are we shown in the scripture that a vital part of God's salvation is that we come and see. John chapter 1 verse 46. You know these words. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip saith unto him, Come and see. John chapter 1 verse 38. 
They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, or be interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. John 4 and 29, the woman who the Lord had ministered to told her of all her life, goes back to those that are in the town and says, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Well, what is to be stressed in these words? What's to be stressed by this word, behold? It is this. You are to give not just your mind, but you are to give your heart to the coming of this one. This herald. Behold, take your heart to this one. Do not just see with your eyes. <coughs> Do not just understand with your mind, but with your heart. Lay hold on this one is, who is coming. Behold. Again, there's the same element in those words that John later speaks in or John 1 and 29. Behold the Lamb of God. What's he telling you to do? Just to notice him? Just to nod the head? Well, yes, he's the Son of God. Is that what we're called to do? No, you are to do much more than that. You are to consider who is this man to you? What are you? In the eyes of this man. Consider these things. The words of Isaiah 40 verse 1. I'll quote. They suggest that there is a meaning in the acts and words of God that bring relief and rest to our souls. Comfort ye my people. What are the words that begin that verse? It is true that God does bring relief and rest to his people. It is not, however, the single thought in those words. Comfort ye. Those words really, if you translate them the way that they perhaps most clearly would indicate the meaning, would be this. Speak to the heart. Speak to the heart of my Give a message to my people that brings hope, that sheds light, that fosters love in the hearts of the people. Cause them to look. Cause them to behold. Bring their hearts to the one who is the Lamb of God. Coming meek and lowly. He is salvation. You are to behold. It's a summons to see. It's also a summons to seek. The need is not only to look. Or even to think about why beholding the Lamb of God is important. There is more suggested. When we are told to behold, when we are told to make the paths straight, so to speak, there is then the summons for us to come to the one who must be sought. He is that one to whom we must seek. We are to turn from that which is of sin and darkness and come to the Lord. Or may I put it this way? You are not to be as the self-righteous that the Lord Jesus condemns. Many were those who found themselves coming to John the Baptist. It's amazing how many were there gathered to him. Why would you go out into the wilderness to listen to a man who is yelling for you to prepare your hearts for the coming of the Lord Jesus out of a sense of curiosity or a sense of this is a movement of the day. But there were, there were countless numbers that did the very thing. 
And the Lord Jesus speaks to those when he is ministering amongst men. He offers the words of Matthew 15, verse 8. The people that draweth nigh to me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Do you understand? Here's the point. We are told to be those who seek with all the heart. We're not to be those who applaud the praise or honor of our lips or to say that we believe things that are right, but we're to give our hearts. That's the cry of the preacher. That's the cry that we have sounded in the wilderness, the wilderness of men that live in their darkness. We're to seek with all the heart. Jeremiah 29, verse 13. And ye shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Perhaps we could even throw this verse in there. And you don't have to look at your Bible now for this verse, do you? First Samuel 12, 24. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider how great things he hath done for you. My point to you is simply. the point behold you must seek the Lord he comes seeking there's no doubt about that he is the one who comes seeking and saving the which was lost but the heart that has faith given to it of the Holy Spirit is the heart that will seek the Lord Jesus without that seeking there is not salvation for there is not the true ministry of the Spirit Hosea chapter 12. Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. Till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Or as Paul says, Acts 17, and speaking to those on Mars Hill, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. My message of the gospel you have in this which is a gospel call is first that you see and seek the Lord Jesus this is vital for salvation then I say there is a sermon in these words the voice in the wilderness is that of a preacher these words, though they are words that are offered by the prophets, is, are words of a preacher. They are not idle talk. There is not just pleasing speech that's being offered here. There is preaching being done. I asked a number of weeks ago, maybe even months ago. You tell me what John the Baptist did when he came to this world. And I think we all agreed that he preached. We went over that a number of times, didn't we? Yes. He preached. He was a preacher. Preaches what, though? He preaches a sermon. Now, I was thinking about this as I was contemplating this whole idea of John preaching. And I've tried to in a modern-day context. If you're a preacher, you have to have a text. So I was wondering, I wonder what John the Baptist could have taken as a text from which he could have preached what we are reading here, these words. And my mind came up to those words in Genesis chapter 28, verses 12 and 13. Think about the imagery here and see if it does not fit. 
Genesis 12 and 13. And he dreamed a dream. And behold, a ladder set upon the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God. Behold the picture. Here is the way to God. It is a way in which there is a descent and an ascent of the ministers of God on that which is a straight way. You think of it, it was, we call it Jacob's ladder, a straight way. God comes down to man, man ascends to God on that which is straight. That which is straight is the righteousness of the person of Christ and the perfection of his work. So I would say perhaps that picture even fits with what we're talking about here. Prepare, make straight that pathway of the Lord to the Lord. In that sermon you may even have first, the Lord comes, you must prepare. The Lord comes, you must prepare. Make straight, we are told. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, two things. What is crooked must be straight. Let me just emphasize this. There, are, there is no salvation when the ways of a man's heart are left crooked. What is not level, what is not even, must be made so. Are there obstacles that lie in the way of God coming to you and you're coming to God? Must be made way. Those must be removed. Sin and sinfulness are not allowed to remain when a man is truly saved. Those must go. Hear that. Hear, this, is a plain, this, this is a vital truth. And so many, I'm afraid, don't understand that. You cannot be saved to be a man that has crooked ways. You cannot be a, a man that still has principles that God says, you shall not do this or hold this or be this. You can't have these things and be a man that truly is saved. You must make straight the path. So that's the second point. Not only does the Lord come and you must prepare, the Lord comes, make the way straight. Now, the words here have relation to the one who is preaching. That is, he must not be any obstacles that get in the way of the Lord's truth coming to men. So if you say, well, this had a word to John the Baptist, it did. And I think John the Baptist is an example of not having obstacles in the way such obstacles might be the fear of men. Did John the Baptist fear men? Not for a second. It might be desires for acclaim. Was that him? He must increase and I must decrease. The pitfalls of willful ignorance? No. John knew who was coming. Or his own sin? No. 
All I can say about that point is John the Baptist was a sinner, but the Lord Jesus also said that there hasn't been one born among women like John the Baptist. I say there's a word for a preacher. You've got to get the fear of men away from you. You've got to have no desire for acclaim. The pitfalls of willful ignorance must leave and sin must be put away. There is a, there's a very plain message. But I say that the making of the way straight, the major idea is that there is a need for repentance. That's the force. Make straight the paths. Let there be true repentance. And let me say, there is no such thing as the Lord coming to a heart in salvation where there is a refusal to part and clear the way for the Lord to come. Can't be. A man who will say, well, I'll, I'll accept the Lord, but I'll still hold on to... No, you're, you can't have that. No man can serve two masters who love the one and hate the other, hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man. It can't be done. A man who is true is a man who finds himself brought to the place where he can no longer hang on to sin. I say many seek to have the salvation of God without turning from their sin. But isn't it said of the Lord Jesus that the reason that he came was to save his people from their sin? Thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sin, not in their sin. In fact, I would even ask is there a sin that is so valuable that it's worthy of holding on to? What obstacles from having the eternal life of God to be yours? Why would you hold on to anything? Well, that brings up another question, and that is this. How can the path be made so perfect that the Lord is pleased to come and bestow that life? The Lord is a judge that condemns sin. So what, what's the hope here? How can you really make the way straight? But who may abide the day of his coming? For who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire. God is a judge. And further, I would point out this in context of our question. The work that needs to be done to make a man clean and make the way straight is so vast that it is impossible to do. Let me ask you this. How many obstacles do you have between you and God before the Lord Jesus washes you in his blood? How many of them are there? How much repentance would you have to do to make the path straight, so to speak? Now, I'm not going to give you the answer of the Roman church because they would say, well, that can be done those, the path can be made straight if you'll do this. Confession, you say this, you say you do these things, count your beads, say your Hail Marys, whatever. And if that's not enough, if somehow we miss something, eh, don't worry about it. Because you'll be able to pay for it in purgatory. You'll only have to be there a couple hundred thousand years. But hey, it'll, it'll, it'll work itself out. My point to you is this. There is not a man who has ever lived that by himself, in himself, and of himself could repent enough to make straight the way that God would come to his heart. Especially if you have this imagery assigned to this. I want you to again, think with me again on Isaiah chapter 40. Because here is what is the imagery. You're going to make path, uh, you're going to make highway for God to come to you and you to come to God. It's going to be straight, it's going to be smooth, it's going to be level, it's going to be 
a highway, so to speak. But here's the, here's the issue. Isaiah 43, I'm going to back up a little bit. The voice of him that cries, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for your God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. Put it to you this way. Mountains and valleys. My question is, who can lift a valley? Can you lift a valley? Can you lift the valley of your unbelief? Or... Can you make a mountain flat? Can you do that? How can you make a mountain low? That's the imagery here. The highway has to be made, but here's the obstacles, and they're not small. They're talking about huge, chasm-like valleys and momentous mountains. You have to make them all straight and flat. How are you going to do that? Well, again, the answer is in Malachi 3 and 2. We read it. I want you to hear the first question that's answered or asked in the relation of what I just said. But who may abide the day of his coming? In other words, how many of you can repent enough? Who can abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a... Oh, here it is. And he shall sit as a refiner and pure of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi. You are told to make the way, to make the plan, to make the even the highway to God, but you He heals the brokenhearted. He leads the prisoner out of the prison house. He sees God given faith and he cleanses the heart. So you say, well, what, what are you saying then? Simply this. Here is the grace and mercy of God. Your place in this whole thing is to turn to the Lord. I can't make the path straight. No, you can't. But you can turn around, can't you? By the grace of God, by the help of the Spirit of God, by the quickening power of the hand of God, you can turn. Our place is to turn. His place is to cleanse. Pardon. For the message, comfort ye, comfort ye, saith the Lord your God. Speak comfortably to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. Or Malachi, whom ye seek shall suddenly his temple. And the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Oh, here it is. Here's the sermon. You must you must turn. You must make the path straight. But I can't. That's right. But as faith in your heart turns your eyes to Jesus, you'll see that he suddenly comes to his temple. He suddenly comes to that heart that belongs to him and he makes the way open. The veil is rent. He makes that way plain. In the heart and lifts the valleys 
and makes the mountains low. I say this is a work of free grace that is known for every child of God. Of the Lord. No man can rid himself here who really know the Lord. But when I think about my own case, it was not of anything of me. I felt was the need of Christ, the weight of my sin. I couldn't get rid of it. I couldn't repent enough. My tears couldn't flow fast or hard enough. I couldn't believe deeply enough. But it wasn't dependent upon me. It wasn't dependent on my heart. It was dependent on the finished work of the Lord Jesus and Him saving me rather than me saving me. So I say that's the second part of the... the, the, The Lord comes. Prepare. The Lord comes. Make the way straight. But the third part of his sermon might be this. The Lord comes and his life everlasting. In other words, not one whose heart is made straight will ever perish. Not one who ever has that work done that makes the way open to God and God to him ever perishes. John 10 and 28. And I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man my hand. That's a good message. You turn, the Lord comes. You seek, the Lord is found. You draw nigh to God, he draws nigh to you. Now, there's not, that's not a question of equal uh, distances. Your coming, or your turning to God is microscopic compared to the distance that he spans to get to you. And then I have a last thought here. I want you to see that in these words you have not only a summons and a sermon, but you also have a solemn warning. I was sort of amazed that one well-known commentator made the comment that there were many that heard the words of John that were filled with unbelief which caused him to even offer those words. And he said to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O ye generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. The comment was made that some of the, that those turned from their, they were the ones in the minority. Many came because this was a movement that appealed to the curiosity. Others who came refused to make straight which seems to reinforce the words of the Lord Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. I don't know. I can't. Only God knows the answer to that particular question. But the point, though, that needs to be made is this. There were some that did not heed. There were some that did not make straight. There were some that did not, even though they heard these things plainly, passionately presented to them with all the heart that could be mastered in perhaps with the the heart of the most anointed and blessed of prophets. They did not respond. They did not turn. So my warning, I guess, to us all is this, that hearing is... 
Hearing is not healing. There must be the making straight. And that comes in beholding and turning to Christ with all the heart. That is a warning to us all. It is possible to know who Christ is. It is possible to even say, yes, I think he's the Lamb of God. But without the making straight, that work of grace that God does in the heart of everyone that knows him in truth and knows his salvation, without that there is no, no life. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. So, the admonition again I would point out is this, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 3, Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. For those who find themselves worked on of the Spirit of God to turn to Christ, imperfectly, not with great understanding. You don't have to understand all the doctrines of the Bible to be saved. It's amazing. Sometimes people will say, well, you've got to understand this and that, and the other thing you have to completely understand. Uh, otherwise you can't. Oh. How many of the great cardinal doctrines of Scripture do you think the thief on the cross understood? Now, that's not an excuse for you not to learn them. <laughs> but coming to Christ is coming to Christ. Not going to school. Incline your ear. Make straight. Turn straight. Get out of the way those things that prevent you from knowing the mercies of God, the covenant mercies of David. Where are we? How is it with us today? How is it with your heart today? Has this been something you see? I know what you're talking. I haven't any claim to perfection in this this matter, but I have. Praise the Lord for it. It was the work of the Holy Spirit that made that possible. If you haven't, then do so. Do so at once. There's the gospel in front of you. May the Lord be pleased to seal it to our hearts. Let's all pray. Our Father and our God, now we pray that you'll bless the word of God. We pray that you will use it and allow it to be that which is the tool in the hand of the Spirit of God to bring to Christ by faith those that are Christ's and to rejoice the hearts of those who have been made straight by the power of God Lord, I pray that you will bless then this time. Lord, speak to every heart. Let not one leave this place without the ministering of the Spirit and the drawing to Christ. Continue with us as we walk through this day, we ask all in Jesus' name. Amen.